If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Welcome back. Here we are, episode nine. We will be talking about the importance of building trust and how to build a coaching philosophy. So we're going to start with building trust first. Effective coaching starts with trust between you as the coach and your FR as the client. Sounds pretty obvious, right? And my guess is even if you don't know it, you are likely building trust already with your clients. Imagine though the increase in trust building if you were aware and intentional about building that trust. Trust can be an elusive and difficult to define concept. Sabina, start us out with how we can attempt to make trust more concrete and define some of the specific elements that make for a trusting relationship. Absolutely, Heather. So first of all, just put yourself in the shoes of a new financial rep. They're often overwhelmed, right, with all the moving parts of a new career. And whether they realize it or not, they really want to know three things about you as their coach. Can I trust you? Do you care about me? Are you committed? If they could actually articulate those questions and ask them of you, think about how you would answer and why. Can I trust you? Obviously, you'd want to be able to say yes to that, right? And to let them know what they can expect from you, like you're going to tell them the truth, you're going to be on time, be fully engaged, and so on. So this one, do you care about me? Think about this. Ask yourself if you can care about reps and their success, even if you don't necessarily like them, right? That's a real issue. You're not always going to like or enjoy spending time with every person that you coach, but that's where you need to put on your professional hat, see them as human beings who've taken on this career and are probably doing the best they can. So just think about that. Do you care about me? And are you committed? Again, when you start to maybe lose some confidence in a rep in terms of what you think is going to happen there, what do you do? Do you start just going through the motions? Like you meet with them, you take their numbers, you do a couple things, or are you able to give them your full engagement until the very end, until they either succeed and kind of make it over the hump or end up leaving the business? I'm not saying this isn't a reciprocal relationship, right? They have to bring something to the table also, but that's where your tough coaching conversations happen. Harvard Business Review published an article that talked about three elements of trust. Positive relationships, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. I mean, you build relationships and trust based on looking for the best in people. Number two, good judgment and expertise. You know your stuff and you show and bring integrity in your behavior and your process. And the third one is consistency. 
Your reps know what to expect from you on a regular basis. They don't come in wondering what kind of mood you'll be in and how that will affect your coaching and what's going to happen that day. They know that they can count on you to be consistent in your meetings. Now, the Harvard Business Review also reported in the same article that studies showed one of these three elements was more important than the others. So we asked this in our clinics, and actually each of the elements gets a fair number of votes. So take a minute, pick your element. Is it positive relationships, good judgment and expertise, or consistency? And I will tell you that studies show that positive relationships seem to matter more than good judgment and expertise or consistency. It's not to say those things aren't important, but the positive relationships really can overcome any deficiency you have in those other areas. Now, we also tend to think of trust as a trait that's difficult to measure. Like, how do you know? But it turns out that it can be measured by two things. One is your character, which kind of summed up is your integrity, your motive, and your intent with people. So in other words, are you coaching somebody just because there's maybe a bonus in it for you? Or are you coaching them because you truly want them to have a long and successful career? And the second one is your competence, which is your track record of results. So if you're a new activity coach, you obviously won't have a track record of results yet in activity coaching, but chances are you have a track record of success at something. And as you build your track record, you're going to rely initially probably more on your character. So obviously you always want to keep building that character, you know, your integrity, your motive, and your intent with people. Sabina, I love what you're sharing. And to add to that or build upon that, a couple things that are going through my mind is, number one, what a process building trust is, right? I mean, building mm-hmm. trust is yes. a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You use the word consistency, right? I think that came from the Harvard mm-hmm. Business Review. And that's really where trust comes from. It results from consistent predictable interactions over time. I think they need to know what to expect from you. And that comes from that consistent, predictable behavior. One of the questions that we get a lot from coaches is how do I coach somebody I don't like, right? And that's a real, it is a real thing. And it reminds me of the, I don't know if it's a quote or what, but I've heard it before. And it goes along the lines of like, I don't like you very much. Maybe I should get to know you better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that speaks to the whole idea of relationships is if you're having a hard time building trust with your rep or you potentially don't like them, which could be the case, it's taking time to get to know them better and finding a way to connect. And sometimes that can be hard in two short 15-minute meetings a week, but at the same time, you'd be surprised how quickly you can develop a relationship through those consistent touch points. I agree. And I think it reminds me that it's always important to remember people come to you as fully formed adults, right? (laughs) Right. They bring all their history and their baggage and their experiences, and they're going to be different than your history and your baggage and your experiences. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think you're spot on in that getting to know them and just uncovering some of those things. I always like to know why people turned out the way they did. Mm, I love that. That curiosity, that position of curiosity. Mm -hmm. So Such good stuff. Obviously, we're talking about the importance, why building trust is important. To learn more about this topic and specifically the top 10 trust building actions, things that you can do to build trust, you can certainly check out our basics activity coaching clinic at heatherpriceconsulting.com where we do dig much deeper into not just why trust is important, but how to build it. Okay, let's transition into developing a coaching philosophy. Some listeners may be thinking, a coaching philosophy, what is that anyway? 
Basically, it's how you approach coaching holistically. It says, this is how I work with reps. It's important for the people that you're coaching to know what they can expect from you. And your philosophy really should reflect your values, your personality, and your objectives. So Sabina, let's start by having you take us through some of the best practices for building a coaching philosophy. Yeah, building a coaching philosophy is something that, as Heather said, you might not be thinking about necessarily, but I think it's good to have an overall philosophy about activity coaching that isn't necessarily tied to keeping your financial reps in the business. And let me elaborate on that a little bit. When I was a brand new activity coach, I used to think it was my job to keep people from quitting, right? From leaving the business. Like that was the purpose. And to some extent, it is people are going to want to quit. Almost everybody wants to quit at least once, right? Heather? At least, yes. <laughs> and so it becomes kind of an exercise in knowing when to talk them out of it. But here's the thing given the current retention rate, until the retention rate gets over 50%, there's always going to be more people leaving than staying, right? Which can be pretty frustrating. So I had this kind of epiphany one day and I thought, you know what? I can't just be coaching people to stay in the business because in spite of my best efforts, some of them are going to leave anyway. And so I decided that day that I wanted a bigger philosophy about it, that I wanted people to be better for having crossed paths with me, whether they stayed in the business or not. I wanted them to learn something about themselves, about the business, about Northwestern, about what our office was about the impact of what planning is and so forth. And I think when people leave, if they can retain some of that stuff, they can go on to do great things elsewhere, as you'll hear in our next episode. You'll see in our 10th episode that sometimes reps who leave have great success in a different career, sometimes as a result of what they learned at Northwestern. So it's good to think about the bigger picture in Mm -hmm. terms of your overall coaching philosophy. Yeah. As you think about building a philosophy, Obviously, each person, it needs to be customized to them. But we have some thoughts on that, right? So if you're going to build a philosophy, where should you start? Right. We have thoughts on everything, don't we, Heather? (laughs) We do. (laughs) So I would say if you want to build an overall coaching philosophy, a good place to start is with this three-part base. Although obviously, as Heather just said, you'll want to layer in your own values, your personality, your own objectives, and so forth. But this is just a good place to start from. And I think These three points are, number one, believe in them. And I think that's so important because when your own coach doesn't believe in you, I think of it as the light goes out of your eyes. They see it and they feel it and they think, oh my gosh, the person who knows a lot about this business doesn't even think I can do it anymore. So that's a discipline. You've really got to believe in them. The second one is one that we've talked probably throughout our first eight episodes prior to this, and that's tell them the truth. You've got to tell people the kind truth, but you have to tell them the truth. That's what they'll come to rely on you for. So believe in them, tell them the truth. And then you've got to be somewhat patient. Change and growth take time. Unfortunately, people don't just magically do things because we tell them to. Imagine that. We don't any of us just like to be told what to do. It's a process. It's a learning and growing process. And if you think back about your own self, And when you're trying to change some behavior, it doesn't just happen overnight. So you have to be a little patient. We used to call it being patient with a sense of urgency, Mm, right? mm -hmm. Because you need those changes to manifest and last over time. Yeah. I have to say personally, I have fallen back on this base of a philosophy, if you will, many times, especially the believing in them. 
how many times can you remember, right, sitting in front of a new FR and you're wondering to yourself, like, how on earth did this person make it through the selection process? <laughs> yes. I mean, it was terrible saying that, but it happens, right? And then it's you're like, the truth. there's no way, like they're in week two and you're going, there's no yeah. way they're going to be here in month two, right? Right. So it is reminding yourself that it is my job, right? It is my philosophy that I will believe in every person. And sometimes, I think you said it nicely, you said something about putting your pants on. professional hat. Your professional hat. I was like thinking, pull up your big girl panties, but you know what I mean. Either way. (laughs) Is basically being able to say, regardless of how I'm feeling right now, this is how I'm going to approach this. Same thing with telling the truth. As I think about these things, and this is where we're going next with this conversation, is it's important actually to share this philosophy, right, with the people that you're coaching and tell them that, hey, this is how I approach coaching. This is what you can expect from me. Here's maybe some scenarios where you might see that come through. And then even when you're coaching, there might be scenarios where you can actually verbally share with them, here's why I'm behaving this way. This is what I believe in. This is my approach. So that actually leads me to our next segment, which is... Say Say that that again. again. All right. So Sabina, are you setting this one up or am I? I can take this one. Okay. We're going to take this three-point philosophy and we're going to role play how that might show up in a conversation with an FR who isn't really following through. They've not been keeping their commitments. They need a little bit of tough love. All right. So guess what? That's going to be you, Heather. Yay, I can do that. (laughs) I have some experience with doing that. Yes, exactly, right? All right, sounds good. So you're going to be the rep. I will be the coach. And let's say we're at about the two-month mark. Okay. And we're going to be talking about asking for referrals. Okay. And I haven't been doing a good job, obviously. Okay. Correct. Yep. All right. Okay. So Heather, let's see, yesterday you kept four appointments, which is, that's a great day. Mm -hmm. It was a good day. But you only asked once for referrals. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. We seem to be having this conversation frequently. So help me understand that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it really kind of the same stuff. I mean, I just continue to run out of time and I don't know, I guess I'm just not managing the meeting well enough. I just keep, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's always something. It is. It is. So. What I know about you, Heather, is we're at the two-month mark. So what I know about you and what keeps me believing in you is that when you do ask, you get good names, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you get sometimes three and four names per attempt. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yeah. But in keeping with my promise to you to always tell you the truth, you're not developing a disciplined approach to prospecting. I think what it seems like is happening, you tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, is that you're kind of hit and miss. Like when you start to run out of referrals, then you go back and ask. But when you have a big batch of referrals, then you kind of take it easy. Am I on the mark with that or is that incorrect? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's nothing like hitting the bottom of the barrel, I guess, to motivate you to get some. So when I'm doing well, I don't exactly feel the tendency to have to ask as often or as consistently. That's probably true. Mm -hmm. And what do you think some of the downsides of that are for you? inconsistent activity. (laughs) A full calendar than an empty calendar, a full calendar and an empty calendar. Yeah. Right. And how does that make you feel? Exhausted, Mm -hmm. really worried. It causes anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would be the way to even that out, do you think? Probably to ask more consistently, (laughs) (laughs) even when I have enough people to call. Sure. And what my experience has taught me, Heather, is that when you're a good prospector and you are, which is why I see a bright future for you, if we can iron out this little wrinkle, is that you do get names. People want to give you names, Mm -hmm. right? They want to give you names. Mm -hmm. But it's difficult to focus on the other parts of the business 
right? Mm -hmm. When you're kind of panicked and stressed all the time. Absolutely. And what else might you be missing as you're meeting with these good referrals that people have given you? And let's say the barrel is full and you're not prospecting because you're thinking, I don't know, I'm going to see all these people that I have. What's missing then? Mm, I don't know. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you're not asking people. So what are you missing out on? I'm missing out on all sorts of new names to call, right. obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you don't even know what you're missing. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So now I'm a patient person. <laughs> I know that change takes time. But this is probably the third or fourth time we're having this conversation. So my patience is getting a little bit frayed. If you were me, if you put yourself in my shoes, what would you recommend to you? How would you coach you? Hmm. That's a good question because, I mean, I feel like you've been telling me good stuff. I just haven't been doing it, to be quite honest. And what do you think is the reason for that? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm asking you. Again, I think it's just urgency. I haven't had the urgency. I mean, when the urgency mm-hmm. is there, I ask. And when it's not there, it's just more comfortable not to ask. Sure. So how can we create urgency for you on a daily basis? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. You don't know? No, that's what I'm struggling with. You know, that's my least favorite answer because it doesn't show much deep thought. <laughs> <laughs> True. Let me think of some ideas. I mean, there's obviously, I could create an agenda or use an agenda. Mm-hmm. That would probably mm-hmm. create some urgency. You know what? Probably telling them ahead of time at the beginning of the meeting. Sure. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I run out of time. Can you help remind me? I mean, I suppose that Mm -hmm. would be embarrassing if I asked them to remind me and then I didn't do it. (laughs) Could be. Now, which of those things are you most likely to do? The agenda. Okay. So can we agree then for the next couple of weeks that you'll just put together like a three or four point agenda and bring it with you to our meeting and then we can talk about how you use that in each of the meetings that you kept? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Because I feel like for you, that's going to make all the difference because you're doing well. I think you could be doing better. I think so too. Okay. So let's stop there. Okay. I love, and I don't know if our listeners noticed this, right? But you found a way to work in all three. You talked about believing in me at the beginning. You talked about telling me the truth. And then you also brought up being patient. I would say that what will make this the most effective, right, in having this conversation is making sure you do a good job of setting it up at the beginning. So when you first are beginning to work with the financial rep, letting them know what your philosophy is and, you know, point blank telling them, I am always going to be the person that will tell you the truth, the kind truth. I won't be a jerk about it, but sometimes it might not feel good, but it's because I want to help you. Helping them understand that I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader, which means I'm going to believe in you. And I'm going to be patient with you. You're going to make some stumbles along the way and I'll be there for you. But at some point when I don't, I'll let you know that too. And you did all of those things, but it's so much more powerful when you can reflect back on that conversation. So it's just a more effective conversation if you do a good job of setting up and sharing your coaching philosophy at the very beginning when you start working with the rep. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. All right. So that is the end of episode number nine, which means our next episode is going to be number number 10. 10. Yes. So I'm excited for what's in store for episode number 10. So tune back in and we will have some fun guest visitors for you. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.